0: Hello! Thank you very much for supporting us on Patreon. Your donation of $2.99 a month really helps us grow. What, what what's that? You meant to donate $99. Welcome back to the Analog Sticks podcast, where this week we're withstanding all the Sanity effects with an Eternal Darkness Sanity's requiem. Let's go. Let's go. and welcome back to analog sticks my name is rusty i am joined as always by my good friend cody and before we do anything else i'd like to wish you all a happy halloween and in celebration of the peak of spooky season we have a fun one queued up for you guys and all but before we get our spook on cody how are you doing today
1: doing all right it's been just super busy uh we're recording what is it like less than 24 hours before this episode comes on just because I've About been doing 12 so much hours homework.
0: before this release is actually oh, oh.
1: so. Yeah, I've been i I've been keeping up with school though. I'm not behind. So overall,
0: doing good. Yeah, and we're keeping up on wedding stuff too. That's less than a month away. Hey,
1: that's right. We got the, the clothes. You got your stuff tailored, right?
0: Oh yeah, it's a blast. <laughs> I'm just trying to go through everything and just trying to not go insane. I don't know how well that's going though. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's a wedding. You know how those go. And speaking of trying not to go insane, this week, we're covering Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem.
1: (laughs) Eternal Darkness. This action horror game, it feels a lot like uh, old school Resident Evil or Silent Hill, which uh, admittedly I'm not too familiar with. But based on what I do know, this is quite similar in its gameplay, but it does have some unique distinctions from titles I uh, like those games, and there's a pretty interesting original story attached to this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, it very much does have a story, and surprise, surprise, you're not going to believe this, but I wrote a burn for it. Oh, Do you goody. think you're ready for this spookish rambling?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm pretty ready. <laughs> right. me. Well, here we go. A book made of human flesh and bone? That's gotta be a must read, right? After seeing a massive pile of ground, grandpa, we set out for some answers. The demon book sent us through the lives of a Roman soldier, a Cambodian exotic dancer, an inquisition monk, a World War I writer, and none other than our grandfather himself. After learning Satan's secrets, we must vanish the shadows, causing the eternal darkness, and save Alex's life.
1: So yeah, that's, uh, that's the story. Solid burn, by the way. Thanks. Uh, we start Thanks, the game by that. finding out our grandpa died and got turned into just meat, just a big pile of meat. And the police, who seem to represent the entire state of Rhode Island, like the, <laughs> the, the one Rhode Island PD, for some reason, they're uninterested in pursuing the case. Um, which eventually down the line, uh, maybe they were making the right call. Uh, so, as the main character, we have to try to learn how our grandpa was turned into, uh, you know, meat paste.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's the very high quality graphics. We'll get into that in a little bit, but yeah, yeah. it's 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 just great. The Wait, whole so the whole thing.
1: In this in this little section here, I copy pasted some of the actual dialogue from the game just to show you <laughs> how the police were acting. Should we read through some of this?
0: So, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, dramatic read the intro cutscene. Cody, you can be Alex if you'd like. I'll be the Inspector. Yes. Legrasse As his name is. Legrasse? Legrasse? Yeah, you guys Apparently can to hear he's
1: how he talks to the, <laughs> to the granddaughter of the guy who just died. Ready? <clears throat> yes, it's him. He's wearing our family ring. I don't understand. Why are you showing me this? Can't you check dental records or something? What is wrong with you?
0: Uh, I'm I'm sorry, it's my job, lady. You're the only living relative, and no, we can't check the dental records. There's no head. Uh, none of this makes sense. There's no sign of intrusion, and there was clearly a lot of force used here. I've never seen anything like it in my twenty years on the force. We have no evidence except for the body, and what's left doesn't say much. We don't have a clue.
1: Well, you had better find out who (laughs) did this. I'm not leaving Rhode Island until you do. There must be some clue in this old mansion. Revealing what happened,
0: I want answers. Yeah, so do I. I wish I had some. <laughs> just, I wish I had some. <laughs> it's so funny, because he introduces himself as Inspector... <laughs> he's like, I'm Inspector LaGrasse, Rhode Island Police Department.
1: Gosh, he's like, hey, I'm top inspector of the entire state. By the way, we can't do anything. I just wanted to show you your headless grandpa.
0: He's like, yeah, all we have is a mound of man meat and... <laughs> good luck (laughs) so basically now we're just stuck in his mansion how cruel (laughs) super stuck where
1: i was testing it out if you try to leave the mansion there's some dialogue that's like something about this house is calling you back in
0: yeah it's funny they kind of leave us with no choice here but to explore the mansion Which is luckily somewhat linear. Uh, There are some pretty simple but yet decent puzzles. And we eventually find the Tomb of Eternal Darkness. And this book tells us a cool concept. It's it's a lot of fun. As whenever you uncover a new chapter in the book, each of which are hidden throughout the mansion, almost like they weren't meant to be found, we get to play as the writer of the chapter and kind of experience the stories told within the tome. I, I thought it was a great mechanic. Cody, what do you think?
1: I really like the mechanic. It's like a it's like a more complicated hub world where instead of jumping into paintings, you're you're finding the different pages. Of course, the the mansion is more than just a hub world there though. But the mechanic of getting to different levels was pretty fun, and it really shakes up the game. Uh, but I don't want to spoil the whole game and get into the nitty gritty of the plot. Um, let's we should focus more on the theming for now, right?
0: Oh yeah. We can get into the reasoning of why we decided to cover this game on the special spooky date, and that so-called spooky stuff. But Cody, what do you expect, What before you started the game, what did you expect for the horror to be in this so-called action horror game?
1: I just knew that the game itself was Lovecraftian, so I was more excited to play this than most other horror games. I'm usually not too big on horror, but I do love the... The heady philosophical type of horror—that stuff is fun to me—and so I was definitely expecting uh, insanity. Maybe the game I was really thinking of a lot was Insomnia. I was kind of expecting it to be a little bit like that game, but it's not quite. It's it's a bit different than that.
0: Yeah, well, there's certainly a whole lot of like the Lovecraft stuff. All I really know about Lovecraftian humor is that it's like kind of supposed to be like fear of the unknown and that kind of philosophical psychological <laughs> horror i i don't i don't really know the details you did say There's... you did say lovecraftian humor <laughs> humor i meant horror you know it's not very about. funny
1: i want to see <laughs> now that you say it though i want to see a lovecraftian comedy that sounds like a great combination
0: just a giant blob monster making like bad 90s sitcom jokes
1: just trying to work at the office keeps knocking things over <laughs>
0: A tentacle monster with bones sticking out of the side, just walking around, you know. No big deal. (laughs) Sorry, Bill. But with this game, it's not so much gore like a Dead by Daylight or like jump scares, like a Five Nights at Freddy's or something Mm -hmm. like that. This game relies a lot more on the fear of the unknown and the incomprehensible as horror in this genre kind of often does. The Lovecraftian genre, as we were saying. Uh, One really good way that this is amplified is personally my favorite aspect of the game with the sanity effects. Uh, Yeah, Sanity Effects. These are what really set the game apart from all the other action-horror-type
1: titles from that time, Uh, all the ones I haven't played yet, Uh, but the easiest (laughs) way to sum up Sanity Effects is to say that the game just totally fucks with you
0: yeah i mean that's basically what it is and what you mean with by saying the game totally fucks with you is that instead of like an animatronic bear popping up and screaming in your face or a sneaky slender man pursuing you the game alters the way it appears or throws some fake error messages at you and i wrote down a couple of my favorite examples of these if you'd so please
1: yeah i'd love to hear them because i didn't get to experience all of them when we were playing i only got some of the some of the beginner insanity effects
0: oh yeah there, there are like a ton of them by the way i just wrote down a couple of my favorites and i've divided them into a couple of categories there are like game effects physical-esque effects and then there are some like environmental and some character specific mm-hmm. ones and whatnot but for the most part uh the ones in game involve your character's fake death where it makes it look like your character died and they're like nah just kidding so like your limbs might explode one by one and then you'll just be like fine or yeah. your head will fall off and start... <laughs> this was funny to me. Your head falls off and then starts floating around you, and it's reciting Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> or there's another one where you're trying to reload your gun, and it goes off and you fake die. Oh, and then there's dead. another one where you just turn into a zombie and fall on the floor. It's They're really cool. <laughs> this is just the game's way of messing with you. Uh, the ones that have to deal with the actual screen are a lot more fun to me personally, and they include a lot of stuff like uh, the screen gl- going black just like the power would go out at your house or bugs crawling across the screen or your character shooting the camera and leaving a bullet hole in a tv like a bond intro or something there's a fake blue screen of death or an rca tv is green text that says mute and it's all quiet so you people would be trying to like unmute their tv or whatever it's just huh. totally messing with that, you. Would, love um, that that wouldn't really work on on newer monitors then huh Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit here, but it's still a lot of fun. Uh, (laughs) My personal favorite of these was one where the game says, are you sure you want to delete all of your game files? (laughs) There's some more minor ones and stuff. There's one where it's like, oh, your GameCube controller disconnected, try again. And then there are some more like environmental ones where the screen tilts a little bit or your character partially clips into the floor or you end up walking on the ceiling of a room. There are also some ones that are more character or area-specific, like I was saying, like books mm-hmm. flying across the library or you see yourself dead in a bathtub. It's, it's fun.
1: <laughs> wow, that's really interesting how some of them will go further than, than trying to mess with like your character in the game and just directly goes for you as the player in, in ways that are unrelated to the game itself.
0: Oh yeah, there's a ton of fourth-wall breaking.
1: Uh, what I like about it, too, and those aren't all the examples, right? Those are just like...
0: You know, some of the oh yeah, there's a ton rest. more. I maybe wrote down a third or a quarter of them.
1: Easy. So then those these effects, they don't really get super stale
0: then, which is nice. There's just so many of them. <laughs> yeah, and I feel, I feel the game does a really great job at exploring this mechanic to its full potential, and it keeps the game incredibly fresh throughout. But what I was seeing is that some of these effects 20 years ago, the screen effects, like you were saying, they are a bit outdated at times. Like... Hmm the mute and some of the RCA TV features and whatnot. So I wanted to ask you here, let's get your thinking cap on. What effects or fake errors would you like to see a game like this if the game like received a modern sequel or a remake or something? What do you think they could do with these effects to make them more modern? To make it seem more
1: modern? Well, I do know that modern games usually are able to t- detect uh, what you're playing on, right? So it knows the difference between playing on PC or Switch or an Xbox or something so that'd be really fun if it could detect if it's if you're on something you're not supposed to be on. So if it's a like a Switch game, but somehow you're playing it on the PC, you know, it could really <laughs> mess with you by uh, acknowledging that you're
0: playing it the wrong way. <laughs> like an anti-piracy screen or whatever that was going around a couple years ago? Yeah. Um,
1: shoot, if it was, because I assume if it was remade, it'd be put on the, the Switch,
0: right? Probably it was a Nintendo first party game. This was actually made and published by Nintendo, which is honestly kind of remarkable. I don't think we really touched on how big that was. It's very interesting for them to uh to do something like that. Oh, but you know what would
1: really mess with me? If it were on the Switch, if it suddenly tried to make me think that someone else was trying to connect controllers. <laughs> like possible the controller select menu. Yeah, and there, or like so it keeps saying that there's some third controller that's not connecting right. That would that would kind of creep <laughs> me out if I was playing by myself at night.
0: Best part is you only have two and it's saying that there's a third one trying to connect. Exactly. That would creep me out. <laughs> Those sound pretty good, but I actually had some time to think of this. And my first thoughts would be like, what if it pops up with like an eShop in that purchase <laughs> screen and it's like, oh, thank you for your purchase. We'll send your receipt to your email <laughs> or oh, like no. the Wi-Fi is disconnecting. Or like if they really wanted to go all out, they could pop it up with a fake update. <laughs> I was I, thought it, uh, I was thinking
1: when you're reading some of these were the like it talks about your memory. Um, as a kid, I did not understand game memory too well. I'm talking like, you know, four or five and I kept accidentally deleting our GameCube memory and my brother would get pissed off every time, understandably. Uh, So I'm glad I never tried this game out as a kid. Otherwise, if any memory stuff came up, I would probably react poorly and somehow end up deleting all of our memory.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Five-year-old Cody, oh, I remember this. I don't need to save it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, why would I save this? I just did it.
0: But anyways, uh,
1: we could talk about the trans, uh, not the transition. This is the transition. We could talk about sanity effects, you know, all day on this episode, but we do need to move on. So there's still a lot more to cover.
0: Oh yeah, this is a whole game. And we just talked about the thing that makes it unique and enjoyable, in my opinion. Another thing that's kind of unique is the way the combat works. There's a ton we still have to get to. And the first thing I want to touch on is this combat. Cody, do you have any notes on the gruesome murder that we get to commit on these undead walking around these areas?
1: I I really liked the combat. I was super surprised by um, I don't know how involved it was because in the start of the game, for the first couple enemies they throw at you, uh, they don't introduce the combat mechanics, so you're just kind of hacking and slashing at them, and that's all I was expecting. Uh, I was just ready for it to be a you know I don't know mash A to keep hitting enemies, and if they don't die, run away. But then they introduced that system where you can lock onto enemies, like in Zelda, and then if you move your uh, analog stick, <laughs> shout out to us. Plug. <laughs>
0: don't if forget to your, subscribe.
1: If you move your analog stick, you can target different parts of the body. And so for certain enemy enemies, as far as we were playing, um, you would want to take out every limb and head, and then you could do a finishing move which would restore some of that sanity we were talking about. Uh, additionally, yeah, just whenever the
0: enemies see you, it drains the sanity, and that's when the effects kicked in. It's, it's a cool concept.
1: Yeah, and there's, uh,
0: there's actually three
1: different things being measured. One of them is sanity. Then you have your health. So if you're low health, uh, you start moving a little bit slower. I th- from what I saw, I think it's harder to attack enemies with low health because you're just I don't know, you're really limp-wristing them. Yeah, your character gets
0: a little (laughs) limpy-gimpy, and Mm -hmm. it's not fun.
1: (laughs) And then your third thing is mana, uh, which we didn't get as far as being able to use mana,
0: so that's too bad. Yeah, that's after that second chapter. You start to unlock spells, which kind of act as your progression throughout the manor, which we'll get into in a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, all in all, I would say that the combat hasn't aged flawlessly, but it plays well enough that I don't have too many gripes with it. My only real complaint would be the pacing. Personally, I thought it felt a little slow for an action game, uh, but I can get over that pretty quickly. What I can't give a pass is the clunky menuing. And Cody, I know you had a couple gripes with this when we were playing. Gosh. How would you explain the way the menu works in this game?
1: Yeah, that was pretty bad.
0: The, the
1: menu is just so weird. You, if you want to use something, you have to go into the menu and then hit use on whichever item uh, you think you need to use uh, for every little area. So, like, there was one door we had where you had to insert a sword in order to open the door, right? I don't know if we
0: actually got to
1: do that. Did we get to get to that?
0: I don't think we got to that part when you were here, Now, No. But there was but... the key, the second floor key, for instance.
1: Yeah, so like the second floor key, you have to go to the second floor door, right, and then, I don't know, in a game, I would expect that I could use the key somehow without having to go into the menu. Because as a horror game, when I have to go into the menu to use anything, especially in the middle of an intense situation, it just takes me out. And then suddenly I have a few seconds to breathe while I select my item, and that just totally lets up on any of the pressure I had that was giving me some of that fear.
0: Oh, yeah, it really breaks the immersion. And it's not even just when you go into the menu to use an item. Anytime you pick anything up or look at anything, there's an examine button. Mm -hmm. It stops all the combat or whatever's going on. So, like, you could be surrounded by enemies, about to be bitten by a zombie, and it's just like, here's this picture of your ancient relative. They they died in eleven twelve. Would you like to take it?
1: Mm, Very interesting.
0: It's rough. (laughs) In my opinion, this kind of stuff, it aged the game a good deal. Mm -hmm. Uh kind of sucks when you walk up to a locked door and you have the key in your inventory but you can't just interact with the door and expect it to open you have to go into the menu select the key then select use and i really dislike this yeah and and i I understand the
1: problem it was trying to solve because if you were to walk up to the door and there's just a use button you know there's all kinds of items you might have that you can use so you need to be able to select which item you're trying to use um I think a smarter solution, and maybe it's one that wasn't as easy to do back in the GameCube era, would have been some kind of, you know, HUD menu, when you walk up to a uh, to an, a thing and want to use an item, a menu that doesn't take you out, but is just like a bar at the bottom or something like that, you know, and then you scroll through the items you want to use.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. I don't know if they could pull that off in sixth gen though. But yeah, long story <laughs> short. The menu's flawed. We don't have a perfect solution for it, but we do have better ones. <laughs> um, one thing I did enjoy, though, outside of the menu, of course, because I didn't really enjoy that, was the audio design in this game. Cody, I know you'd highlighted it as something you personally enjoyed. What do you think it was that made the audio in this game good? Oh, yeah.
1: The audio was great. It, um, I mean, it's just a requirement for any good horror game, right? you got to have good audio, and this game was no exception. The the total change in tone was pretty evident when I was recording um, us playing it. Because at first, I didn't have any of the earbuds in, and I could barely hear the audio through the little TV we had.
0: On so, our GameCube.
1: Yeah, so it just wasn't, the, the vibes weren't hitting me. I wasn't scared at all. But as soon as I put the headphones in, suddenly, you know, there's these little creaks happening around the corners, or these whispers going on or sometimes if you interacted with stuff you know you'd get creepy noises coming across the room uh just uh, just all the little things like that definitely put me a little bit more on edge and really primed me better for some good scares
0: yeah personally i don't know if i was just on edge the whole time going into it but I had the headphones in from the start, mostly just to monitor our recording audio, because yeah. we recorded it, might let out a Let's Play. I don't know. We, we, we'll we see if it's entertaining. But nonetheless, I was a little on edge going into it, and anytime I heard a noise, I am like, what was that noise? There's something in the room. It's going to get us. Usually it was just kind of to try to create an environment or kind of like set the scene a little bit, but mm-hmm. it, it still it kept me on edge. I, I, I mean, we didn't play a whole lot of the game together, but it was kind of like one of those things where it's just okay, I'm ready for something to try to scare me. And there were a couple times where, like, you walk in a room and it wasn't necessarily, like, terrifying, but all of a sudden you're just surrounded by zombies and, like, oh, crap, gotta go. I don't know. Personally, though, I felt like while the audio wasn't incredibly, like, crisp, it still ages well. The visual design and the graphics, on the other hand, they, they kind of don't. C- Cody, Ooh. what are your thoughts on the models in particular in this Ooh. game? It's a little rough. The, the models...
1: Uh, when did this game come out in the GameCube era? I think, era? It, was, New I think it was early GameCube,
0: like 2001 or two. Okay. The models are really low poly. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. and it's, it, there's a lot of interpretation that you have to do as the player <laughs> when you see them. Um, like any good horror game, though, I think they, they did a good job at keeping things kind of in the shadows, keeping them dark, so it is more guesswork, you know? They... I think they tried their best to show just enough for you to to be like, oh gosh, ugh. imagine you know what I can't quite see. But a lot of it nowadays just didn't age as well. So there'd be some creepy guts or like some gory stuff, and you know, for us as a modern audience, all I see are red polygons with some texturing. You know, I'm not. Um, not engaging oh they made a
0: red textured blob (laughs) oh no like oh god if you ever get the chance to play this game the intro cutscene they show your a pile of your grandpa with just a hand it's Mm -hmm. it looks like somebody threw up it's kind (laughs) of gross it's gross
1: the gross out uh, is pretty good in some areas
0: yeah, you know, you're right about that, but that's one thing with these models. They are the epitome of 6th gen, early 6th gen attempts at realistic graphics. <laughs> While the models are much higher poly than, like, N64 renders, they, they still don't look good. They look very bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're close to being good, but they're not close enough. They still look really rigid, and I keep saying bad. I I don't know any other way to put it, but... Like you said a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Pikmin, this era was all about getting your design across while using as little assets as possible to ensure that the game still runs well. Mm-hmm. But unlike Pikmin, these models are much bigger and they attempt to be more detailed. And in turn, they look pretty bad. Um, one way that they try to compensate for this is by defaulting to the lowest possible brightness, which made it a little tough to see at times. Like you were saying, we had to turn it up a little bit so we could like have some depth to it. But while it isn't beautiful or cutting edge, it's still playful, playable, rather, and not so ugly that I can't bear to look at it. I'd just prefer not to.
1: Yeah, what you said about the the lighting was totally right. It was um, it was dark, and you know, you gotta have it dark in a horror game, because that's the whole point of it. But it was too dark to where we straight up couldn't see where we needed to go, because it would, it would be all blackness, and like, oh, there's a ladder there? Let me take 30 seconds to walk around and try to find the ladder, and then stuff like that. Just brings down the the horror factor.
0: Yeah, we should just put it in an emulator and throw some RTX on it. I think that would work really well. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. R- no, do you think it's...
1: RTX would run better on low
0: poly stuff? I'd be interested in I... seeing. I have no clue. I mean, you use it in Minecraft, don't you? Does it work well there? Yeah, it works fine on my computer. Although
1: Minecraft, I feel like is a bit different than low poly because it's. I don't know, it's uh, voxel-based, so it's, you know, if there's like one big flat surface, it's actually having to calculate every square on that surface rather than the whole, uh, know, the whole shape.
0: It's a full 3D grid world. Speaking of worlds, though, I- I'd also like to touch on some of the areas we get to explore. It is really what I want to take a second here and... I kind of want to stop shitting on the game, not that we're really, I'm not saying that this game is bad, but we are talking about some of the negative aspects of it. I do want to take a second, though, to praise the devs on what they did with the maps. Seeing as the game is divided up into 12 chapters, you may expect 12 unique areas, but there are actually only four of which, each of them we visit three times each. And I don't know about you, Cody, but when I discovered that the environments repeat, alarms went off in my head and I had flashbacks or PTSD to The Simpsons Hit and Run. I don't know if you felt the same way there, but... Ugh. You said the environments were what?
1: Oh, repeated.
0: Yeah, they repeat kind of like Hit and Run did, where it's, we only have four environments that we go to three times each.
1: Yeah, um, for me, though, I feel like the, the repetition of the levels isn't too bad like Hit and Run. It's not like... you know, With Hit and Run, it was pretty obvious that there was a time crunch, and they were just trying to add more content. I feel like with this game, though the way they're actually telling a story it, it it was okay to be able to repeat these levels cuz it's like um uh, more like metroidvania in how you have to backtrack to get through the game i think this game was more you go back to these older areas and just get some more stuff done um I, yeah i i didn't have too much of a problem with that aspect
0: yeah i i agree with you there the 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 way it advances the plot with the chapter system, it feels like a really natural progression, almost like a Metroidvania. That is a really good analogy, as opposed to just being thrown back into a sandbox with double the amount of enemies that were here last time. The way they handle it by giving you a couple more abilities or better weapons or something that can help you unlock new areas of these worlds, it does feel a lot more premeditated and planned as opposed to something that was just like... Oh, we only have x amount of days left to put this game together. Just put them back in this level, add a couple things and call it a day. it It works really well. But the next thing I kind of wanted to touch on, probably probably the last thing. we're we're coming close on time here. We can kind of, Throw a little bit more out there. The last thing I really wanted to touch on was kind of an overall reflection of this game. Looking back on it with your limited experience, what do you think? Do you think does it make you want to delve deeper into the action horror genre as a whole, or do you think this is kind of a more fun one-off spooky season celebration game?
1: Um, I feel like this would be a great game to play any time of the year. It's just a good horror game. It also opened my mind up a little bit to uh, be playing more horror games in the future. Because I do like certain horror movies. Um, we've been talking about how it's very Lovecraftian. I'm super in love with the the heady philosophical type of horror that makes you ask questions about uh, I don't know reality or how society is working today. Um, and so I think this game just helped me open my mind up a little bit to to exploring that genre. Um, before this, I don't I I would say I didn't like playing horror games. My experience was stuff more like dead space where it's just trying to jump out at you or have something chase you. I'm really not into that. My life is stressful enough. I don't need a game to, to stress me out. Uh, but this one was less about stressing me out and more about making me think.
0: Right? Yeah, I'd say that's fair. It kind of makes you not necessarily fear reality, but it shows you reality in a way that kind of induces a deep, fear not more like ah, blah, 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 blah. it's more like now think about what you've done. Yeah. <laughs> but not necessarily even that. It's just they alter the way you're seeing the world in kind of a nice sense there. And the monsters that they have, we didn't really touch on this. They're kind of when I think of a Lovecraftian monster monster, there's this one character monster that we see after the first chapter again i don't want to spoil the whole story because this game is the story and we don't want to just blow it all up in your face mm-hmm. you can kind of get the gist of it when you're playing pretty quickly but there's this one big monster that is like when i picture a lovecraftian monster it's this it's like a an open maw with teeth and there's just a bunch of like blob and bones sticking out of it everywhere it's it's very well done also i was blown away you said that this game would be good to play any time of year it came out in july july of 2002 (laughs) so needless to say there this is a game that does hold up any time of year we're glad to be celebrating it with you on spooky season here well the peak of spooky season and i can't wait to listen to all i wanted for christmas is you on tuesday
1: oh goodness
0: we didn't really touch on the enemies though i want to ask what are your thoughts on the enemy design
1: oh gosh it was like they it was like the redeads in zelda but they just made it so much worse oh yeah
0: there was a good bit of variation there too also another thing i loved is that any npcs you meet you can kill cody accidentally poisoned one with a blowgun in one level
1: yeah i (laughs) I, I totally didn't mean to he's trying to talk to him and accidentally hit him and then after i hit him he was slowly dying of poison but we could still talk to him, and he was like, I can repair your sword, and so I had him do that just the moment before he died, so he repaired my sword so we could move on, but uh, he died in front of me, and that reduced my insanity uh, to zero, and we started chirping
0: real hard. Yeah, screen tilted really nice. It's a lot of fun. I This is funny enough. They did the effect where the screen tilts maybe like... 10 degrees to the right nothing too crazy but i found myself with my head tilted about 10 degrees to the right <laughs> <laughs> kind of made me laugh a good little bit there i i enjoyed that i'd say <laughs> do you have anything else you really want to highlight on this game i know we're short on time but this is a crunched episode and you guys are just gonna have to deal with that super
1: crunched um <clears throat> not too much more uh, i think it's I I, want to try to explore the Lovecraftian genre of horror games a little bit more now because Lovecraft is super hard to do on any visual medium like games or movies since the whole nature of the the monsters or the subject of the story is usually the concept that it is something so incomprehensible that just seeing it makes you insane so when you try to put it to a uh to a visual format it's always a challenge to to be able to translate that faithfully uh, i would love to see other games of this genre and see how well games do it and how they handle that challenge
0: i feel like the main key with making a lovecraftian horror anything trying to visualize a lovecraftian monster per se You just have to be very, very creative with it and make something that nobody's ever made before. You can't just take a zombie or a Redead and say, oh, it's a Lovecraftian monster. No, that's a zombie or a Redead. I can comprehend that. It eats flesh and brains and whatever and tries to kill you. No, the, the stuff that I need is more like, what is that and why should I be scared of it? And then you can slowly explain it, and I think that that will still work in a Lovecraftian sense there. But yeah, it's got to be hard to comprehend and maybe something you need to watch or experience a couple times before you really firmly grasp it.
1: Yeah, and I th- I think this game does a really good job in how not just trying to show you some big fleshy monster, it plays with the fact that it is a video game and kind of breaks that fourth wall in trying to mess with you and scare you in other ways besides just being in the game, you know, talking about memory or your screen breaking, stuff like that. I think that's a really good attempt at trying to bring that Lovecraftian type of horror into a game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've played old Resident Evil a couple of times. I don't think I've ever actually finished any of the games, but I know I've dabbled with 4 and 1. And -hmm. I know 4 focuses more on the action elements and 1 focuses more on, like, the go around a corner and you don't know what's there. But they kind of just have typical monsters and it's supposed to be like, oh, typical horror tropes. I really like the way that this one handles the monsters and the experiences and more so focusing on that Lovecraftian unknown and really making you think about what you're going through as opposed to just trying to scare the shit out of you. I I love that. (laughs) It's so good. But with that, I think we are getting to a point where we can wrap this up. If you guys listen all the way through, we'll be back to a normally formatted episode with more time next week, I hope. (laughs) And... I think that's all we've really got on Eternal Darkness is Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem. Thank you all very much for listening. Once again, subscribe, like, rate, review, and if you know, if you like what we're doing or if you have any suggestions or improvements or ideas or changes, let us know. Uh, Write a comment on our YouTube, or leave a review, or I may make an email soon, but don't hold me to it. And also, you can tweet at us, at analogsticks underscore. Uh, I'll probably reach out back to you there if you reach out to us, but yeah, we'll take any suggestions. In the meantime, I hope you all hold your sanity better than we did. Have a safe and spooky Halloween. For myself, Rusty Nails, and my co-host, Cody, thank you all very much for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.